upset. You you just gotta breathe. We both just gotta breathe. Cow. I gotta go, Julia. We got cows. Another cow. Actually, I think that was the same one. Alright, welcome to the State of Games. I'm Dice Hate Me. I'm Get Louder. I'm Puppy Shogun. I'm Insert Straw here. And this is episode 67, or as we like to call it, the one about guilty pleasures. Sinfulness. It's going to yeah. be fun. And it's going to be especially fun because uh, the main topic <laughs> at hand is um, going to have some dissension among the ranks. But anyway, that'll be fun. We thought we'd uh, come together and bring a list of a few games that we consider our personal guilty pleasures. And we'll get to defining that and mentioning our list in just a little bit, or at least those of us who have a list. Um, but first... Spoiler! <gasps> Spoiler! <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get the hook in. Trying, <laughs> trying to get that hook in there. Um, well, before we move on to our Kickstarter business, how are you guys doing? How is everybody? I'm I'm good. I'm I I'm a little congested. I'm a little tired, but uh, I'm good. Okay. How are you? I'm tired and uh, incredibly busy, but it's been a great week. Been a very productive week. Wrapping up the rabbits, wrapping up Brewcrafters. By the end of this week, by this end of this weekend, all everything will be ready for press, and I will be able to. Finally, take care of some other business, so that'll mm. be nice. But I'm not gonna be I sleeping. I, I just wish I could focus. I'm being an insomniac lately, staying up till like eight in the morning and then sleeping till like four in the afternoon. Ridiculous. I've been there, and and are still there sometimes. But <laughs> Stephanie, how are you? I'm doing quite well, thank you. That's great. Have you done anything fun lately? Mm, not really. I've been kind of busy working with um, the long break from Origin, so I had a lot of catch-up work to do, and then, you know, with the holiday with 4th of July, um, so just kind of busy, heads down with work a lot lately, but um, I have been playing some video games and watching Game of Thrones. Yep, getting caught up, brains exploding. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in the middle of the fourth season, and um, I don't know if I want to live anymore. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's kind of brutal. It gets a little brutal there. Can't get attached <laughs> to anybody. It's the funniest show on TV. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so lighthearted. It's a, it's a feel-good story. If by lighthearted and feel-good you mean complete nudity and violence, then yes. yes. Yeah, it's like a modern sitcom. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Seinfeld, but just without with less clothes. You could definitely yeah. see the inspiration that Full House had on it. <laughs> uh, that would have been actually kind of interesting to see some of the things that's happened to characters in Game of Thrones happened to characters at Full House. So um, <laughs> anyway, all right. So we digress. Let's let's take care of some Kickstarter business. Let's talk about some potato salad. Oh God. Okay. So, I don't like potato salad. Can I just say that? <laughs> yeah, the only that. good potato salad is the warm German kind. Like, if it's oh. not warm, I don't care for it. Well, I, think that, warm? I think I might agree with you there, Daryl. Yeah, like, a real German potato salad is warm. It should come hot out of the oven, and it's amazing. It's not covered cool. in mayonnaise. It's just so good. 
I think that's why pasta but, salad weirds me out. I'm like, why is it cold? Why like, is if the pasta cold? Yeah. Up, if we just heated it up, it would be good. I'm yeah. not. I'm not a big fan of pasta salad myself. This whole podcast, people are gonna be like, "What are they talking about?" Games. We're talking about games. Yep. All right. So let's let's yep. let's tie this in now about talk about potato salad Kickstarter. Kickstarter is very important to us naturally because we're all involved with Kickstarter. We support Kickstarter and what it's done for the gaming business. Potato salad is a project that uh, if if some of you out there are not familiar with it, I'm sure most of you have heard of it at this point. But on Kickstarter. Uh, it started, I don't remember, let's see, when did it launch? Let me look here. Uh, 20, uh, about, about seven days ago. It was last week. Yeah. Uh, before the for the holiday, um, Zach Danger Brown launched Potato Salad on Kickstarter, and all it says is, I'm making potato salad. Basically, I'm just making potato salad. I haven't decided what kind yet. His funding goal was $10. He has made, to date, $42,000 making potato salad. You know, I bet it would have cost him more than $10 to make a potato salad. <laughs> I'm sure it would have. <laughs> yeah, I hate these Kickstarters that have unreasonably low goals. <laughs> <laughs> like every Kickstarter ever run lately, you Seriously, mean? Seriously, like he would, have to have, he would have had to hit hit stretch goals already just to fund his original batch. So You know what? This just inspired me. I'm going to make, and you're, this is news, stretch goal for Unpub. I will bring oh. potato salad for everybody to unpub. Oh my lord! <laughs> for everybody. First yeah, of it'll all, be like a little tiny Dixie cup, maybe one for, potato. But first of all, you have to check with the Baltimore Convention Center because they usually don't allow outside food. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be the party pooper. Actually, it says no vending of food. It doesn't say anything about bringing outside food in. Usually, can't. they frown upon that because they want you to use their. Catering, yeah, so. it's the same thing everywhere. <laughs> Origins is the same thing too. I wanted to have a popcorn machine in the booth for the first year, and and you know how many hoops I had to have to jump through to get that done. That was insane. Um, so let let's turn this back around now. So potato salad. Here here's the deal with potato salad <coughs> and how it relates to Kickstarter and what we're talking about. Um, one thing that's happened with potato salad, and we just realized this the other day. Someone pointed out that Kickstarter no longer uh, requires people to have approval for their campaigns they can just make something up and launch it and then uh if they violate you know a, a code or they're reported then kickstarter can come in and shut down the project but um this is a bit of a problem in my mind because since potato salad has launched and become so successful there have been over 100 copycat projects launched on kickstarter all the way from like macaroni salad to hot dogs to all kinds of stuff um, it, that's it, and, and to give people perspective, that's like the entirety of all the the board game projects, right? That are on Kickstarter currently. Yeah, and and there's no telling. Of course, now here's the there, there are different pros and cons, and I mentioned this. Uh, I wrote down some pros and cons. When we were talking about this. One thing that I feel like there's a con for this type of thing for the potato salad is that it seems inappropriate for the platform. It's not, you know, Kickstarter was designed. Uh, you know, or launched it with the mindset that they were going to help artists and creative types uh, realize their dreams and get things produced or, you know, ideas. Like, you know, Unpub, uh, Dice Hate Me Games titles, other people's board game titles, um, funding, you know, schools for the arts and things like that. Well, now someone comes in and just as a joke, and it's fine, it's a joke, okay, it's funny, but now $42,000 has gone to potato salad and, and it's money that honestly could have been going to 
another platform or another um, campaign. Okay. No, I, I disagree with that because okay. um, how many people have backed to this? Because 5,241 people are idiots. And <laughs> those idiots are like, no one's going to go, man, you know, I would have backed Bell of the Ball, but I I spent that 25 bucks on that potato salad already. <laughs> not going to do that. You know what I mean? So it's just, I, I don't feel like... <laughs> It's they're draining funds <laughs> from people that are backing legitimate projects. Okay, I mean that's a fair point, and and I would tend to agree that you're right. If someone's going to go say, "Hey, I'm going to plump some money down on this guy making potato salad," they're probably not. It's probably not something that they're waffling. If they've got that that kind of uh, you know uh, disposable income, then it's you know he's probably they probably got enough to fund something else, but. The, the, one of the pros, though, that you mentioned uh, is that it is actually because it's become so viral, it's been on Good Morning America, it's been spread all, all over the Internet, it has probably introduced some people to Kickstarter. Um, so that's a pro. However, it's like how, how many people who came and donated to Potato Salad are actually going to be retained and want to kind of surf around Kickstarter and, and add money to other projects? That's something that we can't, you know, really... Uh, figure out we don't have the numbers the data for that um, man i don't want idiots buying my games personally like what? i'm gonna i'm gonna make a game and i'm gonna have a survey and it's gonna have one question and, and it's gonna go are you an idiot yes or no and if they say no i'll refund their money <laughs> you mean if they say yes oh yeah if they say yes i'm an idiot i can't Who's buy my the idiot own. now <laughs> no, I, can't, I can't buy my own game <laughs> Um, so I don't want to say ahead. that because uh, that five thousand people, one of them could potentially help with compounded next month. <laughs> <laughs> well, possibly, and you know, it's just one of those things. It's it's you know, TC and I were talking about this, and originally we were thinking about doing an entire podcast about things that have happened on Kickstarter that seemingly make Kickstarter feel like they were jumping the shark, so to speak. Yeah. This one is the one that kind of makes me feel that way because. Um, it, it the one of the cons that I mentioned is that it could make some backers and people who are watching this happen on Kickstarter kind of feel as though Kickstarter um, is jumping the shark that yep. they are failing a little bit in protecting sort of what the overall scope of the platform was meant for. Um, so, what do you guys think about that? I agree. I, I sorry, sorry. Go ahead. I, I feel like it's going to kind of make Kickstarter a bit of a the butt of a joke for a while you know it's kickstarter was seeming to build some momentum like oh cool it's a crowdfunding site and you know there's <clears throat> good things to come out of it like pebble and such like that where they gained national attention and it was like something innovative and something creative and something that seemed to benefit um you know uh innovation and such um and so people are like oh wow kickstarter kickstarter okay cool kickstarter and now it's like Oh yeah, that's the one that's overrun by that food crap now, right? Yeah, you know, I'll I'll try. What's the other one? Indiegogo. Indiegogo, yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's gonna hurt uh, Kickstarter in the long run. Stephanie. No publicity is bad publicity. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> in my opinion, people have been spending their money on ridiculous things since the dawn of money. So. <laughs> Kickstarter is not going to be able to combat that or stop that. 
I mean, if someone wants to spend their money on potato salad, that's fine. I mean, the guy's middle name is Danger. How can you resist? So, whatever. I mean, if they want to spend their money on it, great. If they want to spend their money on that and not compounded, whatever. If they want to not spend their money on that and spend it on compounded, great. I mean, what just what what could we do differently? And what would we even want to do differently other than just continue to make and back great games? Like, what what would we do? That's a great question. Don't know. I mean, that's that's the thing, too, is I, I, I can see it from both sides, and that's why I wanted to table this conversation, because that's why I had pros and cons. Um, in, my, in, in my opinion, I think that it, it cheapens... It cheapens the platform a bit for me, but I do agree in that you said no publicity is bad publicity. More, more people who become aware of Kickstarter are going to walk away possibly by wanting to donate to more things on Kickstarter. Um, the kind of circus atmosphere that surrounded Potato Salad might get some people jazzed and feel like, oh, this is what Kickstarter is all about. I might want to go spend my money somewhere else. Um, you know, it's just, TC, what do you feel? I think, well, I mean... There's a few aspects of this that I don't like, and some things that I really don't really have. I I, get, I, I don't really find this to be like the end of all things, right? Right. The sky's um, not falling. Yeah, the sky's not falling. It's potato salad. It's it is what it is. There's going to be weird projects that get funded and for weird reasons. Um, and this one's just one of those things. I think. But my opinion is that potato salad thing is more of a is not something that is bringing in new people it may there may actually be new backers that come in and back because of that but they are already aware of kickstarter and they already either don't like kickstarter or they just find this project to be a release kind of like that all these other projects are being pretentious and asking money and they're like very serious about how they're doing all this stuff and this is just kind of people's a chance to like be silly not have to like worry about the system working or not working and just kind of a release from all that pretentiousness and ego that comes from running your own Kickstarter and asking people for money. And if you get bombarded with hundreds, literally I follow almost what, like 700 people on kick on, on, on Twitter. And I have at least a hundred messages about a Kickstarter that I should back every day. So I can see people just being like, whatever, you know, I'll just, uh, I'll back this because it, that, that gives kind of the middle finger to everybody else that, um, is asking me for money all the time. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, and it's not like, I mean, it's funny. I mean, the guy, who yeah, put yeah, it up, it's, it's, it's lighthearted. It's funny. It's not trying to be serious. Yeah. Um, what's going to be interesting though. And what is making me almost consider backing it myself is because I want to be privy to what happens after the, the Kickstarter ends. Because, you want dairy, dairy products mailed to you? <laughs> well, I'm not going to eat it if it got mailed to me. But, uh, <laughs> but, but like even he, he was putting on here stretch goals. He had a stretch goal set at $3,000. Of course, he's now up to $42,000. He's just kind of almost given up on even keeping up with the madness. But the last stretch goal, the big one was he said, my kitchen is too small. I'll run out of party hall and invite the whole internet to the potato salad party. Uh, he's going to need more than a po- – he's going to need a convention center. Uh, with people like going crazy eating potato salad, forty-two thousand dollars worth of stuff. So what I'll be interested to see is if he will actually be able to deliver on what he's promising here. Well, like, what if this guy legitimately has like a potato salad business or something? Like, what <laughs> if he? No, I'm serious. Like, what if he? 
what if he's seri- like it has a catering service and this is his like hey remember me I'm potato salad Kickstarter and then his business just zoom and he takes forty two thousand seven hundred and sixty one dollars oh two people just dropped sorry um he takes all that money and opens up a catering business and, that, and he could badass yeah. potato salad then he becomes probably one of the smartest people I have ever heard of. Hello. His middle name is Danger. I'll say that again. So. Danger. <laughs> and his name is Zach Brown, so that's actually cool just to begin with. But. I wonder if he's in a band. I know, right? Like yeah. like a, like his band. Yeah. He could be a Zach Brown uh he could be a Zach Brown cover band. I think he's in a good <laughs> spot no matter what. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know that he's in a good spot no matter what, but um in fact, you know, I mean, the fact that if I made a joke potato salad thing, and then now I'm looking at by the time the the campaign ends, I might have to send potato salad to ten thousand people. Um, of course, he doesn't have to uh, deliver on that. He could just take the money and run. You know, yeah. Look at this. But he's just gonna he's just gonna have fun with it. I'm sure he could I run out a hall so. and make potato salad. Yeah, I would as think somebody so. said on Twitter, I don't know who it was, but the brilliance of it is it's kind of like a modern age data art. Kind of what it comes down to. That's a little bit too highbrow for this this uh oh. this, this <laughs> podcast. I, I like that. I like that description. I do too. Anybody who wants to know, look up Dada Art D A D A Art. I'm not going to spell Dadaism. Google Dadaism instead. So look, at, look at the stuff that instead of doing that because that's um fun. But instead of doing that, look at what he's backed on Kickstarter. Double the size of the Columbus Idea Foundry. <laughs> I have no idea where you're going with that one. <laughs> an, an open an open source heart rate sensor. Um, draw like a boss. It's yeah. a step by step approach for drawing bosses. And then uh, a castle story, which is looks like a strategy game. Yeah, he's backed quite a few interesting things. Yeah. Yeah. He's just, well, four. He's just a guy that wants to back stuff randomly, right? I mean, he just seems like a normal guy that was trying to do this and like the the only I like the Dada reference, but it's only da, it's only art because so many people jumped on. Right. Yeah, failed, and one person had backed it. Nobody would have said it was art. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, I think the the pressing the more pressing issue for me, like with this project, is not the the actual project right or or people are like saying like the sky is falling uh, the ramifications of this or people aren't going to take kickstarter seriously and this is for project owners that are really earnest whatever there's a lot of projects that shouldn't fund that do fund a lot of things people ruin kickstarter all the time right um do that in life all the time yeah i mean it's it's only a matter of time before you know people step in and 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 change anything, change uh, change the the culture of anything that gets big. I mean, that happened on eBay and happened uh, on plenty of other pl- uh, platforms. So why not how, Kickstarter? How many of those other potato salad like campaigns? I love that that's a description now for a Kickstarter campaign. Um, how many of those have been as successful as this? No, almost none. I mean, everybody's yeah. everybody's realized. That's the thing. That's the thing right there. I yeah. do not see. Another one of these being successful. What about that comedian um, that did the Make Me Rich Kickstarter that was like a billion dollars or something? <laughs> yeah, I mean, or the Death Stars. Yeah. Or uh, even like the comedian that did the uh, skywriting thing. They just paid to skywrite something like, how do I land in the sky? 
And and he only but he he did that project and he only made like two thousand three thousand bucks and he's a he's a well known person you know so it's like it's I weird. Wish I knew about that. I would have put in on that one. I <laughs> <laughs> remember the comedian's name. He like started a business from it though. Like he references kick like his Kickstarter thing like all the time. Like he uses like that was his launch pad to fame or to like C list fame because I can't remember his name, but. Yeah, me, me neither. But but I will say there are two bad things that, that this that brings out in Kickstarter formula. Um, years ago, this wasn't an issue because somebody could not start a project for less than I think a hundred dollars was the lowest. <laughs> Something goal. like that, yeah. Um, and and so this brings out a problem immediately. And then the other thing is that they started what you said at the very beginning: the launch whenever you feel like it stuff. And we'll come back in if it's if there's something that we need to change. And they did it. Uh, I, I did a little research, and they did this because of. And this is actually it, it, this. It's a heavy subject because it was a, a, a documentary on an abortion doctor who did partial birth abortions, something like that. Uh, really late term abortion doctor documentary movie, and they said it was offensive. And that they they couldn't put it up on Kickstarter, um, which I would say to fifty percent of Americans it would be offensive. So, there. Um, but that's but that's the thing. So they because of that and probably I'm I'm assuming some fallout from that and lawsuit or anything or threatened lawsuit. They decided to make these changes, which are really short sighted, because now because of this we have. A hundred projects that pop up, more than a hundred projects that pop up, doing the same thing as potato salad, and there's nobody to stop them. There's literally nothing that can be done to stop them Un- well, until uh, they change. Until they change back, and I think Kickstarter was great when it has. You can't do a project for less than a hundred dollars, and you can't launch without launch whenever you want. Yeah, you have, that, to ha- you have to follow at least some sort of the rules, and then go out. You can do a crazy uh, project, but you still have to follow the rules. Well, they probably got in trouble with the. Like, what are the approval guidelines? Like, what, what would they, what would they say someone can and can't do? Like, how could they have told potato salad guy, no, you can't do that? What if he's like, no, I really can deliver on this? I mean, how could they go? That's inappropriate. You can't do that Kickstarter because you can't. Like, how do you police that? I mean, you seriously can't. Well, and that was the whole crux of what people. I mean, if, since the dawn of Kickstarter, since the dawn of the time that we've been talking about Kickstarter, we've all talked about you know projects that slipped through the cracks, and we're like, how did that even get approved? Um, and so the approval process, of course, wasn't perfect. And you're right. Like, what what are the guidelines? What how how are they able to be gatekeepers of and and deem what is a good project versus a non a good project. However, in the, in the in the terms of potato salad, let me just put it right out there that okay, some dude wants to make potato salad for ten dollars. Okay, see that that in itself, if the gatekeeping system was in, you would realize it's a joke, and you would be like, maybe, maybe not. Come on, I mean, you gotta understand. I mean, some guy some guy wants to make potato salad for ten dollars. He's he got he didn't say he was homeless on there. He wasn't saying you know I have internet access at the public library and I'm homeless. I'd like to get ten dollars to make myself a potato salad so I can live for a day. You know I mean that's. But you can't put you you cannot be the the keeper of that law and that limit. You why? just can't because who are you to tell someone that ten dollars isn't enough? 
$10 is a lot to somebody. Who who am I? Who am I? I'm Kickstarter. I made the website. I make the the regulations for it. If you want to use my platform, then you got to follow my rules, and I get to, to, to dictate what goes on my website or not. It's not the internet. It's the spirit of the internet of being able to put anything else out you want to. The reason why Kickstarter, I believe, did this is because they feel like that even though and if what's happened is there's going to be this big onslaught of a bunch of people putting projects out. They figure that that generally mob mentality or group mentality, again, crowdfunding and platforming, that people's money will will judge and, and will weed out the bad projects versus the good projects. And I agree with that. So I'm just playing devil's advocate with saying like if, if it's a... 5,242 people disagree with you. No, I, I understand they that. Think- if you look at pure metrics, if you didn't look at the picture or the text of this Kickstarter, if you just saw Kickstarter, goal of this, funded by this many thousand percent, gained this much money, has this many backers, you would go, yep, that is a successful and appropriate project for Kickstarter. Yeah, and yeah, I would see, but that's not, that's definitely not true either, because if a, if a project is blatantly offensive and they have to take it down, it could make twenty thousand before it gets taken down. Well, so okay. even though you'll see that the end goal it says this project was canceled, and it's way over its funding goal, it doesn't mean it's an indication of good or bad. And and that's and that's the thing. I'm just saying that potato salad, uh, given the rules that were in place before, he would have had to set his goal for a hundred bucks. He could have still done the same thing because he had reasonable uh, levels. There's nothing wrong about the levels. They actually do give you something which was always a, a problem with Kickstarter before. People wanted to do either charitable things or didn't have any rewards for people, um, and they don't, they don't let you do that, at least when they do the normal screening processes. Um, and the stuff like lotteries and all these other charitable donations and stuff that get taken down because you can't make charitable donations through Kickstarter. I mean, those rules are in place because there needs to be rules like that or else people just do these projects over and over and over and over again and even though we weed them out they just get they fill up a void and i was going to say earlier that like I, I feel like kickstarter to me before before i found out about this little like hiccup here where people can just start throwing on projects and you could probably you could have people just trolling kickstarter um before then i was like kickstarter's an ebay for me it I, i'm not really I'm not enthusiastic about anything that's on Kickstarter, but um, I'm happy when a good project's up there and I'll back it and then I'll move on with my life. Uh, and I hope that that's what it becomes, but I think they need to change these rules or else it's going to be, they're, they're going to run into weird surges like this where you have a lot of people just trolling Kickstarter for no reason. I, 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 I tend to agree with that. Um, but at the same time, the internet is the internet. It is what it is. Uh, it, Kickstarter is, you know, a reflection. You're always going to have this. You're always going to have it, exactly. Um, and, and the thing is, it's like, you know, I'm sure Kickstarter made this decision for a reason, probably because the actual man hours of people going and approving projects was probably coming too much. There were things that were slipping through the cracks because you can't keep up with the volume of this. Um, so you just kind of open it up to the public and see what happens. I mean, maybe it's an experiment or maybe they're going to keep it this way forever. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see uh, what the repercussions are. I don't think, I believe the, the crux of what we've said here, and I think we can all agree, is it's not the end of the world. The sky is not falling. I don't think this is the death knell of Kickstarter, obviously because there's $42,000 sitting here right now for a dude to make potato salad. So, you know, the platform as Which itself. Which is awesome. 
Well, yeah, it's awesome that there's money out there being put into Kickstarter, and, and as long as it remains healthy, you know, that's that's fine, and as long as the attitude toward Kickstarter remains healthy. Um, so whether we all agree or not that there should be restrictions or there should be a gatekeeper of such on Kickstarter, you know, I think that's something that we could debate all night long. And Everybody would have a differing opinion on that. Absolutely. Every single person. I agree. I agree. I think we should have a Stephanie at Kickstarter that does all the approvals. <laughs> she just clicks. I would approve. I would yeah, exactly. approve everything. So that's what I said. Just click approve. All she's doing is click approve all day long. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but 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 you'd be like, nope, sorry, you don't have any of this, and then it would be out. But then anything that had it, you'd be like, yep, yeah. then. I might be biased. I'd been like, oh, I don't like potato salad. I'm not approving that. <laughs> it's just all up that's to Stephanie's offensive. whim. That's offensive. Mayonnaise is offensive, offensive? to vegans. It's offensive to vegans. They're offended by it. Well, he said he might make vegan potato salad, so... Did he shut your mouth? Yeah, he did. did he look at the, the questions at the bottom. Are you kidding me? I didn't read it. Come on. <laughs> you have to read it. The questions are pretty hilarious. Yeah, the frequently asked questions. What type of potato salad, mustard, mayo-based vinegar, German? He goes all into it. I mean, he's really being serious about people's questions. Then, you know, vegan. Is there a ve- Will there be a vegan option available? He made it to add as a stretch goal, but he forgot. So, <laughs> so there's definitely going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to add vegan as a stretch goal, but forgot. Let's say that we'll have at least four kinds, and that one will be vegan. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> <laughs> it's just pretty funny. Um, okay, so let's let's move on. We've we, we're opened it up again. Most some of you out there are going to have opinions on this, and that's cool. You can uh, you know hit us up on Twitter, to talk about it, or go to our guild on on uh, BGG, or go to dissateme.com, leave a, a comment at the bottom, um, send us an email, whatever you want to do. You, people out there have opinions, and of course, we brought this up, even though it's not directly related to board games, but it is because. I'm not directly related. It's related because it has to do with Kickstarter and the health of Kickstarter, and that's kind of what we like to do on this podcast. So let's move on to some board games now, though, so we can get that. Yeah, what board games are ruining Kickstarter today? What board? Yeah, TC's list. Um, (laughs) I'm not letting you loose, buddy. Not yet. Wait, wait. So now are we moving on to the state of games? We are. Yay! Yay! Yeah. That's right. I want my little guitar intro back. Do you want it? Hey, okay. Well, let's do that. How's about this? You want to do it, Daryl? You want to do it? And now it's time for the state of games. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there. Are you happy? Yes. Very much so. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's an old part of this the podcast. It goes way back. Anyway. I remember your guitar intro, but wasn't it an intro like at the beginning of the podcast? No, it was like a segment that broke apart general discussion to the state of games. Oh, okay. Yeah, now the state of games. Yeah, and now I don't even have to put the guitar in there. You guys sing yeah. it for me. Okay. It sounded like one of those it sounded like one of those guitar things that you put like that you just get out of a garage band for free. <laughs> yeah. Like one of the loops. Yeah, it was one of the stings that I downloaded for free online, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, let's move on to the topic at hand. Let's talk about guilty pleasures. So, uh, let's define what a guilty pleasure is for those of you out there. Online, the definition of a guilty pleasure is something that one enjoys and considers pleasurable despite feeling guilt for enjoy it, uh, enjoying it. The guilt involved is sometimes simply fear of others discovering one's lowbrow or otherwise embarrassing tastes, such as campy styles of entertainment. 
Um, I kind of defined it in movie terms like somebody really loving Armageddon or or for guys liking chick flicks. That's sexist. It totally is. (laughs) 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 I will not deny it. Um, and by the way, for the record, I love Armageddon. So hey, so where's that source? You said online. What's what's your bibliography for that? <laughs> what is that? It's a little thing. Internet, it's a little thing called Wikipedia. It's a little oh, thing okay. called Wikipedia. Is that okay? Is that is it or is that uh, is it a guilty pleasure for me to use Wikipedia? I I think the schools use Wikipedia. I, I think they're allowed to use one Wikipedia in their cited works. Yeah, my wife's class. MLA or whatever. In, yeah. In, in my class, uh, I allow them to start with Wikipedia, but they have to find three of the sources that contributed to that Wikipedia article to use. So, well, my wife corroborate. is no. My wife flat out says no Wikipedia to her students. It cannot That's be a single source. You can't be. cite it. Don't don't even try it. You have so. to. You can use it because it's actually pretty useful. We're going to get talk about Wikipedia, but it's actually pretty useful <laughs> to uh, follow the links for the sources at the bottom, and then you can you can base your research on those because those are credible sources. But anyway, we can debate Wikipedia. Yeah, just don't plagiarize it because you get you get caught real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So anyway. We have a we have a disagreement now that we have gone to talk about potato salad and Wikipedia. Let's talk about board games. Um, we're going to start naming some guilty pleasures. Uh, we I spoiled it a little bit. I gave a hook at the beginning of the podcast. There are two of us who have lists, and there are two of us who do not. Um, Shocker on who those two? <laughs> High five. Oh, yeah. Two of these things yeah. are not like the others. <laughs> um. So what we're going to probably do is Daryl and I are going to talk about our list, and then the peanut gallery can chime in on whether they feel like that is an appropriate guilty pleasure or give any opinions that they would like. So, um, Daryl, what? Do what? I need a buzzer. You need a buzzer. You should <laughs> go, do you have taboo? You should go get a taboo buzzer. Oh, you is probably, that a guilty pleasure? Oh, probably That's a guilty pleasure. Guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Daryl, you it's want to start us taboo, off? Taboo, a guilty pleasure. Sure. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, before before we move on, I did have another note here. I want I want to define a little bit further about what gaming guilty pleasures are because I think there are different categories. Um, since we're all kind of hardcore hobbyists, um, there are the culture of hardcore hobbyists sometimes is to like is to you know not play mainstream games or uh, enjoy playing mainstream games. Some of those are going to show up on our lists here, and in some instances and in gaming circles, it's not cool to really love Ameritrash. And there are some games that you just probably shouldn't like in general, but love to play anyway. Um, so with, with those caveats out there in relation to, to board games, Daryl, give us give us one on your list. Uh, I'll start with the oldest one, which is Dominoes. Dominoes. Okay. Well, why is that a guilty pleasure for you, and why do you feel it's a guilty pleasure? I, I enjoy playing Dominoes. I enjoy playing the different variants of Dominoes, but usually when someone's like, oh, you know... You have dominoes on your shelf. I'm like, yeah, I like playing dominoes, and I get like a look like I have three heads. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I enjoy dominoes. I will play dominoes with anybody. I don't care if it's an 80 year old only game. You know, it's bring it. I'll play. Who are these people that are judging you for playing dominoes? I want a list of names. <laughs> this like, is going to be Stephanie's response to everything. I want, on our I want, list. Yeah, I want a list of names of everybody that's judged you on your games on your list because uh-huh. that would judge them i will email it to you with headshots you. <laughs> okay. email addresses phone numbers we'll get them all to you yeah. no i can i i'm resourceful I'll, f- I'll figure out all of their um contact information you can just send me a photo i'll get it you're like batman <laughs> i'm just curious daryl do you have the one the mexican train one where you press the button and it goes woo woo 
I have regular <laughs> dominoes and I have Mexican trade dominoes where you press the button and it goes woo woo. Do you really? <laughs> I really do. See, that's awesome. I truly do. Anyway, so as You're far as baby. as far as dominoes are concerned, though, it's one of the most widely played games in the world. So, um, you know, as far as a guilty pleasure, yes, I guess amongst hardcore hobbyists, that might be that might you know be considered one, but uh, it's borderline because lots and lots of people, especially worldwide, play dominoes tons of times. And the, hey, dominoker. <laughs> that would be okay. I think we found if anyone has that on their list of games they like, that's probably a guilty pleasure. I'll Dom- agree. Dominoker? Yeah. Probably, yes. Uh, uh, okay, so I'm going to throw out... That's part of Kickstarter. And, and this one's going to be uh, obvious to a lot of people, but one of my guilty pleasures is, honestly, Monopoly. Um, well. Yeah, listen, I heard T say, well. wow, well. That, is, that surprises nobody that you like a game about monopolizing things. <laughs> What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> he just likes the social commentary it has. I do. I enjoy Monopoly because it's actually it's it's actually a very social game if you play it with you know with people that are into Monopoly. Like you can make deals, and I've, that's the way I grew up playing Monopoly. I love playing it. You know, like where you can try to like I'll give you this deal if you do that. When you don't play, if you play straight up Monopoly by the rules, dead on. I want to win, cutthroat. Okay, the Monopoly's not that fun. But if you play it family style, where you have your house rules and then you can wheel and deal with people, I really like playing Monopoly. And I am not ashamed to admit that. Oh, see, I like Monopoly by the the, the actual rules where, wow. oh, you land on the space, you can't buy it, it goes up to auction. Okay, well, no, yep. that's fine too. But the, the auction part is fun too because then yeah. if you've got a lot of people in the game, then you've got the auctioning portions. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just saying. Like, I like it much more of a, as a social event rather than like when you watch people play tournaments. They play it in like 15 minutes and they just don't bother. It just boom, 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 boom. You know, and then they're done. But, but you I, like every game as a social game. Well, not every game. I didn't Name try to. One. I didn't try to play. I didn't try to uh, social play Splendor. I but would you? If if you could, would you? <laughs> well, probably. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, but that's only because that's my strength, you know. I, I, I like to play games that way. Um, and I like to rattle cages when people are really, like, you know, have their blinders on playing hardcore Euros, and then I throw something, a, a, a social or a verbal bomb on the table, and I watch heads explode. So that's just what I like to do. It's fun. Um, okay, anyway, so uh, can you guys agree, though, that Monopoly is probably a guilty pleasure? In this circle, Absolutely. I think there's nothing wrong with liking the game Monopoly. And I would not, like, balk at somebody that said that they enjoyed Monopoly. I think Steph's going to defend every game. Oh, I am. Of course she is. I just, I am just a just free person, and I just think that anybody should just be able to like what they, like the game that you like. That's great. <laughs> I don't like it. it that's what's fun, too, is because Stephanie's going to say that to every game, and TC's going to go, ugh. I know. I'm going to. Throw up in my mouth a little bit when I say the word Monopoly, <laughs> and that's because that's because Monopoly is a is a bad game. It was designed originally to to be a bad game. It wasn't designed. It was designed as an art project to say that monopolistic tendencies are bad. The game gets worse as it goes along. It's just it's just a bad game. <laughs> it is bad, but it doesn't mean that people can't take enjoyment from it because people have taken enjoyment from all these classic games. And in the scope of things, a lot of the classic games are no longer actually good games. They are just very um, 
Can you call it a bad game if people get enjoyment from it then? I don't think that is a successful and good game. Well, but see, but the thing is, that's that's like the difference between... Yeah, uh, that's completely... But that's like a completely different argument. Like, like, it's like the difference between what people consider art and what people consider, like, popular consumption, right? So if if you look at, like, James Patterson novels and stuff, like, right now, I don't know why I'm just using that as an example, but... Um, <laughs> this is the craziest podcast ever. Go ahead. But, no, but I'm saying, like, you look at those kinds of novels, and even, like, oh, go, we'll, we'll go back further to, to, like, Steinbeck, who did a whole, like, what is it, like, detective series? I can't remember what it was. But, like, he did this whole series of books that made him money during his lifetime, but no one remembers them. They're just, they exist, but they don't really exist anymore. And that's kind of what, like, that's kind of this the the argument. It's like, if if it's really good, it may stand the test of time and kill all the rest, but is it it still doesn't mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> well, what, what in, in context of that point, like, what, well, Monopoly hasn't ceased to exist. Yeah, it, and that's and that's that's why I stopped because I was like, Monopoly has not ceased to exist, so it doesn't it counterpoints that. But, but every other form of every other form of entertainment does the opposite. Right. When something is actually legitimately bad, it gets rid of itself. Well, possibly, but it also in the it's terms weird. of Monopoly, is that it has become such a large business that it's it's continually pushed and marketed and advertised so that it's always in front of people. You know, it's just, I guess that's true. It's part of it's part of culture now. You know, it's just it's like McDonald's. McDonald's isn't going anywhere. I mean, McDonald's isn't the best food in the world, but it, people still love it and go to it. So, you know, not there. Not, there you go. That's a better that's a better example. It's like a pop culture phenomenon that that companies don't want to ever let go. Exactly, and it's it's the stalwart of, of Hasbro's game division. You know, it's just it'll never go anywhere. So, all right, let's move on. Daryl, what's what's next on your list? Go fish. Go fish. <laughs> it's like gamer go fish. I had the prettiest go fish cards whenever I was little. You don't have them anymore? No, I don't know where they are. That's sad. I know, it is sad. If I ever found them, I would totally buy them. I look in every... Oh, we went antique shopping over um, 4th of July weekend in York Springs, Arkansas. I, I actually sincerely looked for... I had Old Maid, go, go Fish, and some other games, and they had... Um, I had this old hearts game that I remember a friend of mine having, but um, like specific cards. Um, but that wasn't really nostalgic enough for me to purchase it. But if they, if I had seen the Go Fish game, then I told her about it, and it would have been awesome. Cool story. So also not a guilty pleasure. It would, yeah. <laughs> so why do you why do you feel like Go Fish is a guilty pleasure, Daryl? Oh, it's um, I don't know. Normally, it's like like. I guess Steph hit it on the head when she's like she's looking in antique shops to find it. Like you don't see it much anymore, except for like in the dollar rack of a toy store, and it's like on paper, you know, cards. Like it's so cheap and flimsy. I have amazing memories of with it playing with my grandparents and stuff, and I still like it. And I'm I'm I can't wait for the day where I can actually sit down and play it with Ethan all the time. So uh, if anyone ever said, "Hey, I got a deck of cards. Let's play Go Fish," I would do it in a heartbeat, and I don't care who laughed and pointed like TC just did when we brought it up. You know, I I would I, it would be fun to actually do a Dice Hate Me Games Classics box that has like Old Maid and War and and Go Fish with really cool art and quality card stock. I think that'd be fun. I like Go Fish. 
I'm gonna make a game. I with like the, the idea of go fish. Yeah. We could do old maid, but the old maid would be the angry dice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The angry maid. Angry maid. That's right. Angry maid. Yeah. I mean, the thing I, is, go ahead. I, I I do think go fish is a guilty pleasure, honestly. But but I do. I, I do like the the idea of asking somebody if they have something in their hand, and if they do, you get it. Yeah, I just always like that. Yeah, so. I mean, you know, there's it's not a lot of skill to playing go fish as long as you are, <coughs> have art of deduction, and I'm sure Stephanie, you were really actually pretty good at it. Um, I was very good at it. Mm-hmm, I have no doubt. <laughs> All right, I'm going to throw one out. That this is going to make TC completely throw up in his mouth. But one of my guilty pleasures is Risk. Yeah. Yeah. See, no, exactly. I'm not saying meh. I'm saying meh. See, a lot of people turn their nose up to Risk because, again, it, it, it has monopoly tendencies. It does run long if people yeah. are kind of uh, have an AP or you know analysis paralysis playing the game. But if you play Risk with people who really know the game. It's fun, and uh, as long as you, there are certain strategies you use in Risk, and certain like when you play it a lot, you know that you can't let someone take Papua New Guinea, and and you got to keep the pressure on them, and you need to worry about marching into Russia. You know, it's like there's all these things that are classic Risk, you know, feints. It's like I know that people are going to laugh when I say this, but it's a little bit like chess. You know, there are some opening moves, there are some moves you make during the game that you probably shouldn't make, or you take chances here and there. Um, it has just enough randomization in it to, to keep keep the uh, the luck factor in check, uh, but also it can have swings during battles. I just think it's uh, I've always really enjoyed Risk, and I, I would still play Risk with anybody now. It's like late Axis and Allies. It is. I mean, I, I, that's why I didn't. Well, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't put Axis and Allies on my list, obviously, because so many people play it, and it's not that you know disrespected of a game. But Axis and Allies is another one I absolutely love. Some people won't play it because it is long, and it's pretty involved. Oh, it's yeah, it's long. I have zero desire to play Risk or Axis and Allies ever. I figured, but that I mean, that's just because there are other games that I would rather play. Yeah, especially nowadays. Like back whenever I played Axis and Allies for the very first time, it was like pretty kind of blow you away kind of situation because it wasn't really I didn't know of anything else, so I was just I was really. I mean, I hated the game, but I was really impressed by how ridiculously complex it was, at least at the time. For at me. the time, yeah. I mean, now there's other games, you know, like Twilight Imperium and, and uh, well, another on my list that I'll get to here in a second. But I, it just for, for me, I like Risk sometimes because it is uh, a dis- distillation. It's going back more to the basics. It's much more simple to move your troops around. Um, you don't have to worry about all of the different um, eccentricities and things that other players can do with Axis and Allies. Um, all the sides are fairly balanced. So, you know, it's just, for me, it's more of a pure game, but it's not it's not as open to, uh, you know, strategies and tactics as, say, like Axis and Allies or something else like that. So, anyway. When was the last time you played Risk? Actually, I, I, play, I have an app that's Risk on my Okay, app. when was the last time you actually played the board game Risk? Against the, an actual person? Yeah. Um, probably about five years ago. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive, Chris. five years. Yeah. yeah. When was the last time you soloed it, then? Soloed Risk? <laughs> 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 I 
I believe that's not up for discussion on this podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say, but I would say you, you're probably. I mean, something about Risk gets people involved. I, I'm, I, I'm just. I, I remember as a kid playing it and not liking it, and continuing to not like it as I grew up. Um, but like the, uh, there's still uh, Risk Legacy is a good example of why Risk still is is around. It, it's tough yeah. to say it's a guilty pleasure man because of because of risk legacy if risk legacy wasn't around then i would say totally guilty okay. pleasure kind of i will uh, I, mean, I know but people I that i can't play risk legacy because i have to get through the first th- few rounds of actually playing it mm. what'd you say stephanie oh i was gonna say i know people that play the app that had no idea it was a board game so yeah see that blows my mind too but i mean what? i guess it shouldn't now with the culture of uh digital entertainment but you know Fewer and fewer people, as I think fewer and fewer kids, unless their families are involved with board games, are playing those initial board games we played as a kid. That's a topic for another podcast altogether. But uh, that's why we're trying to get out there and push it and make sure that you know people are finding these new games and, and introducing them to their families and everything and keeping the board game culture alive. All yeah. right, let's move on. Daryl, what else you got? Uh, Chaosal. Well. You are just putting that on there. You know, I thought about that. Daryl Louder. I thought I thought I was like the only thing that I can think of to put on my list is basically like every game that Eric and I play together. So <laughs> Chaosal and like Runebound. I don't know. We play that a lot, and I don't know that a lot of people do. I've I have no idea. There's a lot of expansions, so I'm assuming someone plays it, but I've never, I've never played it. Yeah. I just put yeah, it on I, to get you to agree with me on a game. I knew. I knew, man. <laughs> okay, I agree with you. <laughs> Chaos. Um, okay, uh, my my real game is uh, Scrabble. Okay, so this one I'm going to have to just call BS. So that's not a guilty pleasure. Scrabble. Yeah, we have the Scrabble. Button? I got that's a buzzer for sure. Scrabble man. is not a guilty pleasure. Everybody in the world plays Scrabble. It's well respected. There's Scrabble tournaments. It's actually an intelligent game. It's not a bad game. So, that so it can't be a guilty pleasure because it's intelligent, and there are tournaments for it. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, hey, I, mean, I, would, no I wouldn't call it a guilty pleasure either, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't say everybody likes it. I'm sure there's people that don't like it. Let's say let's say that it's a respected game. How's that? All right. Okay. But there's no tournaments for my other game. That I mentioned, you guys nixed it off my list before the show. That it was Stratego. Stratego. Well, see, but Stratego is also a respected game too. People actually, Stratego is a solid game. Like TC, TC, you said that's what like one actually a good game and one of your favorites, right? Uh, Stratego and Pit are like my favorite classic games. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Stratego is probably one of my favorite games. Yeah. Wait, then, then what are the other games that you guys named? Those aren't respected games. Go Fish isn't respected. Risk isn't nah. respected. Nah. <laughs> Sorry, honey, I gotta go out and play Go Fish with the guys. Tonight. In the in the right? context, in the context of most of what our demographic is, and the people listening to the podcast are into the hobby, are aware of the hobby, and are aware of the uh, the culture and the attitudes surrounding certain games within the hobby. Within the context of that, yes, I would say that Monopoly and Risk are probably not that not that respected. Okay. All right. Well, then that that bumps me. Go your your go. Then I well, will. Okay. So both Stratego <laughs> and Scrabble. Yeah, but, uh, well, I'll I'll go ahead then because you only have like a couple more on your list. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'm gonna skip this one for a minute, but I'm gonna go back for a second. Fortress America is on my list. Um, 
And I say that because uh, within certain circles, it is a guilty pleasure for me because I'm, you know, it, it's like this. It's where Ameritrash comes from. Uh, that's kind of like, you know, the, the, the ultimate, you know, America's being besieged on all sides by four different factions and you got to fight or three different factions. you got to fight them off. And then uh, it's, it's well, how do you fight them off with cards and dice cards and dice? <laughs> that's right. It's awesome. Do you roll those dice and play those cards and <laughs> you read do. what they do? You do. It's amazing. It's an amazing experience. Anyway, I love Fortress America, but a lot of people do feel like that is probably a guilty pleasure because it's just it's like it's the idea of the excess of it. Um, you know, it was one of the classic big box Milton Bradley games along with Axis and Allies. I used to play as a kid. Uh, that and Shogun, or later called Samurai Swords. Um, they have all been reintroduced. You know, they used to be out of print. Axis and Allies was the one that was almost always in print. We finally got a new version of Fortress America. Like I brought it to Delaware last December, and and TC, almost, your head almost exploded. You're like, we're we're not playing Fortress America. What are you crazy? And I was like, you should play it. You should experience. I've never it. seen TC play an Ameritrash game. I well, I mean, I've played Eldritch Horror, right? Did you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, see, I'm not, I'm not close-minded. I just won't, <laughs> I won't look for it, right? So, like, if like there's five people there and they're all like, well, actually, I don't know how many people play Fortress America, but I'm just assuming you can play it with like fifty. No, so, it's four. <laughs> with a okay. fortress. <laughs> <laughs> it's Team Fortress America. Um, <laughs> I, I, but yeah, but like I said, even though I'm like gonna. I, like at the end of the game, I'm gonna be like, that game was the worst game ever. I'm still gonna try to enjoy myself while playing it. <laughs> hey, you played Firefly? Yeah, I played Firefly. I played Eldritch Horror. I've played Arkham Horror before. I've done all those weird ones, and and I'm well, I'm up for it. If people, if like, if everybody else in the group is up for it, like, I'm not gonna turn it down, unless I've already played it like before and I just cannot stand it, like. If you were like, let's play apples to apples, I'd be like, no, thanks. I'm going to go <laughs> die. I'm going to go but... do anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let... like, you guys play that. I'll go in the corner and put my head face down in a pillow. Um, but... <laughs> but yeah, I'll play, I'll play a Mary Josh games. I just, uh, you know, it's like, it's not going to be my thing ever, really. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Well, anyway, I, I, I feel like Fortress America to me would be a guilty pleasure in, in a lot of circles, but some people may not agree with that, especially people who play a lot of um, American style games. So, uh, T, uh, TC Daryl, what do you what do you got on your list there? Uh, sorry, and incidentally, also sorry sliders. What is sorry sliders? It's sorry, but with dexterity. It's not really sorry. It's just using the sorry pawns, and they have little ball bearings in the base of them, and you slide them and try to get them like closer. It's like playing you know, any dexterity game that where you're trying to zero in on targets, like, yeah. like caveman curling and stuff like that. Like like yeah. crossfire. Like cross no it's crossfire like is sorry. awesome. <laughs> it's like shuffleboard. Sorry, crossfire is a guilty pleasure, but man, it's yeah, awesome. is crossfire a guilty pleasure? Does that count? No, you. <laughs> Your definition of guilty pleasure is, well, not, not your definition, but the games that you categorize as that are just crazy. Are you thinking just nostalgic games are guilty pleasures? Like what? 
a lot of them, I, th- I well, think. Well, I feel like Crossfire, like, for instance, when I talked about in movie terms of stuff, Armageddon and Crossfire are probably about pretty close. Because it's, like, Crossfire is so over the top. It's just, even the commercials for Crossfire were over the top. And they, they it's they embrace, embracing that. It's embracing that over the top, like, gung-ho, Rambo-type atmosphere, you know, that those types of games makes them a guilty pleasure. Because a lot of people will look at that and be like, what in the heck are you doing playing that game? And they're like, I'm having an awesome time playing this game. That's what I'm doing. So that's why I equate that as being a guilty pleasure. See, I would walk up to the table and I'd be like, sweet, you're playing Crossfire. I get next game. <laughs> Stephanie, I don't know if you've you've heard this enough times, but you're not like most people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a guilty pleasure to be friends with. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, back to to Daryl's thing. I don't think Starry Sliders is a guilty pleasure at all. I think it's a fantastic game. I would agree. I I, I own a copy. I own a copy as well. I think that it's a good game. I have never heard of it. I'm kind of terrible at dexterity games, though. Oh, you got to play it. It's really good. I will play it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I'm, so, I'm Rich, just screwing the pooch on this list. No, sorry, I agree with sorry. I, I, will, I will let you have sorry. Oh yeah, on the list. sorry. Because I mean, I, I'll, I'll play sorry, and I've played sorry probably in the last five years. But uh, it, sorry is a is it, it is an absolute luck fest on every sense of the word. Yeah, I feel like I don't even really remember all of the exact rules. I just remember at some point you. Like, you have, what, four pawns that you've got to get all the way around to, like, from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And then you can, like, bump someone's pawn all the way back to the beginning somehow. Uh, speaking of luck fest, I'm sorry, you just reminded me of something else that I need to write down. I will bring that up later. Go ahead. Um, yeah, that's pretty close. I mean, that's pretty much what you're doing. You're basically bumping pawns. You're using slides to get a excuse me, to get ahead. Card plays come in, into play. Where you, can play you can play a game of sorry... And you can actually have a player who doesn't get any of his pawns out of out of his start spot, like by the end of the game. Somebody could win the game by getting their their pawns to home, and somebody could not have had a single pawn make it to home. Yep. And that yep. person is is sorry. Is that they are very sorry? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it ties very closely, like luck based and everything, as trouble with the popomatic bubble. Except trouble has yeah. a popomatic bubble. Yes. So. I loved that popomatic bubble, except when it broke. It didn't. Bubble yeah, then you had to go and die yourself, and that's just horrible. Uh, no, I want to pop it. <laughs> I wish that more games could have the Popomatic Bubble, but unfortunately, it's completely uh, trademarked or copyrighted. It's patented, actually. So it can really? Only... Yep, it is patented. Wait, so, so so that one Kickstarter is is not actually going to happen? I didn't. What is there a Kickstarter that has a Popomatic Bubble? Yeah, for for a D twenty. Then they will be sued. Yes. Oh, well, maybe the patent's only for a D6. Well, possibly. They might be able to get around it since it has a D20 in it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> is it still up, TC? No, this was a while ago. Ah, You got my hopes up and just dashed them. Thank you. Did it fund? <laughs> what? Did it fund? I I assume so. I'm not sure. I I, I mean, this is <laughs> got to be a, this is a year ago. Why didn't you purchase one for me, TC? Come on. You should have known... <laughs> And we were going to be best friends. I should, have, I I should have known ahead of time. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, um, I, found I can't wait. It up right now. Oh, that's pretty cool looking, actually. What's it called? It, it's just called the Popomatic D20. And they it use really the term Popomatic? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's called a tax of opportunity. It did fund. 
in May 2nd of 2012. And do they use the term Popomatic? They call them Popables. Popables, alright. Wow, so they also made them with multiple D6, uh, mm. percentage dies, D20s, D12s, different uh, colors. Yeah, you gotta is... roll your character. And it looks like he sells them on Etsy. Hold on a second. <laughs> oh, nope. That URL's gone. Probably because they've been sued into oblivion at this point. Yeah. <laughs> is this a... Is is a D twenty in a Popomatic bubble a guilty pleasure? A D twenty, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Um... That's an innocent displeasure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, see, I mean, Hasbro owns the patent for the Popomatic bubble. So if they found out somebody was making money off of Popomatics, then yeah, they probably got taken out. Um. Anyway, let's let's move on. Uh, <laughs> From being litigious here. Okay, so I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw Twister out there. Pervert. <laughs> Why am I pervert? <clears throat> well, like the movie, I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Both the movie and the game are are guilty pleasures. No, you show me again. You show me one person that says they do not like the Twister movie. <laughs> TC will. He's gonna laugh about it right one now. TC, per- do you <laughs> hate one person. Twister? What do you say? Do I you not like Twister? Twister? Did you know? Did you know that uh, it, it? I can't. It was either what? I think it was the first. It was the first movie put onto DVD and the last movie to put on HD DVD. I you gotta go. That. We got cow. <laughs> I mean, I say that at least once a week. <laughs> I, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. I love it. I've watched it I more than I don't know about movie. that, but it's it a, is. It's, it's so fun. It's just so fun to watch. I, I don't know if I actually like it, but I, I, I remember the the different tiers of the, 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 the force levels of the tornadoes. And I'm like, oh, man, that five is coming. I don't know what that means, but that's big. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, Twister. So is that a guilty pleasure? Not the movie. The actual party game. Again, I, mean, I don't who's... know. It's legitimately fun. I, I consider it a popular drinking game, so no. <laughs> okay, well, let's, I'll cross that <laughs> off my list then. Wah, wah. <laughs> um, how about the game of life? Would that be considered a, a, a guilty pleasure? Only if it's the suicidal version. <laughs> I almost played it the other day. Did you? Yeah. And um, the Star Wars game of life is actually a lot of fun. There's you a Star Wars play- game of life? Yeah, you get to choose if you want to go... Like, at one point, you get to choose if you're going to go to the dark side or not. Oh. And the dark side Ooh. is the easier path, right? Like, that's like kind of like going to college or not, like doing the career. You know how, like, going to right. the school or whatever was longer, but it was more rewarding? It's kind of like that. <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> See, there is a lesson. That's how I get what do you What do you actually get out of the game of life going the dark side? Like, do you... You can win. Uh, well, I mean, like, do you actually like? You're like, oh, you get you own a Death Star. <laughs> you, that's no moon. <laughs> you you have a really cool vocal cord box that you speak out of. <laughs> you get a red lightsaber. Which is your? Which is what lightsaber you would pick, right, Chris? That's, well, what's what's a, a, that's no, what I'm I said curious, in my interview. What is the winning condition in a game of life based on Star Wars? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember the specifics. My friend Lexi and Kyle have it though. 
<laughs> I would legitimately play that, absolutely. And I I feel like I like play the game of life as a guilty pleasure. Matter of fact, I played the game of life with my best friend Steven and his wife when I visited a couple of years ago. We played it, they have it for Wii. And it, we laughed through the entire thing. It was just absolutely hilarious and, over, and just ridiculous. So that's why I consider that a guilty pleasure. I only like it because it has a spinner. Other than that. Well, uh, yep, spinner's fun. Spinners are fun. That's why there's probably going to be a spinner in Don't Get Eated, right? <clears throat> that's why it's, it's in the prototype. There we go. It's a lot of fun. Everybody's like, oh, come hey, on. Are you, are you saying it's in the prototype? Like, are you implying that it is only going to be in the prototype? <laughs> or, like, what do you I'm mean just by saying, that? I'm we, we, you know, there's a lot of... Like me. People, dearest, dearest Stephanie, <laughs> there, there is a lot of development that goes behind on behind the scenes in any quality game title that comes out from Dice Hate Me Games. Well, you just and have therefore, to go to and I don't want to promise anything to everybody before we know that it totally does work and improves gameplay in a fashion that makes everyone happy. But I think that oh, the reception has been yeah. so good for the spinner, spinner that we're probably going to put it in there. <laughs> cut your heart out if the spinner is not in Don't Get Eaten. <laughs> well, I'm definitely hopeful that it will make it. So, um, Daryl, <laughs> let's move on. What, what's next on your list? Oh, we. Uh, Are you done? Did you see yours? No, did you see yours? Yeah, I went oh. to. I said Twister. Five. Oh, that's right. And the game Eight. of life. Cranium. See, well, I don't know if that's a guilty pleasure though, because that's actually. Oh, it fun. totally is. I is hate it? that game. <laughs> People okay. loathe that game, but I like it because I'm an I'm artsy. See, <laughs> the reason why Cranium was so successful is because the the creators said that like okay i'm not good at pictionary and i'm not good at trivial pursuit and so they said well let's just make something where somebody can be good at, at least one thing in the game and you know that's why it was so successful and it's still successful and don't forget the clay molding that's kind of clutch well yeah, yeah sculpting that's a lot of fun and the, and the clay but the clay smells funny after a while yes dries out it? well that's yeah. every clay game it's true did it you does... say that's every clay game? <laughs> yeah, that's every clay game. That's every clay game. <laughs> You'll have that. My, my entire clay shelf is dried out. <laughs> we have we got uh, from the uh, when game table closed and we did that big uh, sort of shoplifting thing. Um, <laughs> we I got Cluzel, which I guess is a giant clay building Pictionary esque, but it's yeah. just clay, and I haven't even opened it to try it yet, but I want to. Yeah, sure. I want to. I want to play that game. Well, it's like Barbarossa, but but by the Wits and Waitress people. Okay. <laughs> You're ridiculous. I don't know why everyone's laughing, so I'm just laughing with you. <laughs> this TC is ridiculous. Um, there's Sculpture Raids, too. Sculpture Raids is a clay game. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, well, let's just do a podcast about clay games. I think that's the next day of games, episode 68, the one about clay. <laughs> we can bring. We can even introduce Play-Doh. I feel like there are... Lots of types of clay in the world. <laughs> the one about molding your game. We can do we can do texture. We can do there we is, can rate texture. We can rate the smell, the taste. Texture. There is a range of colors for clay. There is red clay. There is gray clay. <laughs> How long can you roll a snake before it breaks apart? <laughs> that sounds like fun. That sounds like a guilty pleasure. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. 
So something satisfying about that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'm not gonna get into the the, the time bomb this MLS because we'll be here all night. But I'm gonna move on and say that Talisman is one of my guilty pleasures. And that is truly a guilty pleasure. Talisman is basically like D and D. Sorry, it is. That's true. There you go. That's it well. Really, it really is. You roll dice. You roll dice. So <laughs> and you get bumped back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think you actually do in that game. You you can absolutely. You can get all, <laughs> almost all the way to the end and end up having to go back to start. And that's you know that's that's why I don't know. Talisman is always just kind of kind of one of the games that I love to play, but I don't like to play it unless it's unless there's drinks involved. Um, it's, it kind of it softens the blows of certain things. But we played Talisman. Uh, I think it was a couple of years ago, and Michael Harrison was one of the most infamous talisman uh, games of all time. He, it was his birthday, and we were playing it. He literally rage quit in the middle of it, <laughs> like I, he he almost flipped the board, he, and he he lit, he had to get up and he left the room and was gone for like an hour. He needed a moment. <laughs> he needed a moment. Yeah, he needed a long moment, and we just were just sitting there like, wow, I've never seen somebody get so angry at a game, and it was it was insane. So. Um, talisman yes i love that i did get sent back i was winning and got sent back to the beginning about um three times one game so that was i was kind of like okay (laughs) okay i'm done right (laughs) well no it's like at this point i just want to be like okay you win because i don't want to go all the way i don't want to spend another hour on this game for me to be like sent back to the beginning let's just call it and you win That can happen sometimes with Talisman. That is true. So you have yeah. to you have to have a certain mindset when you play Talisman. And I still yeah. I still want to play Relic. That's the 40k version of Talisman. Um, yeah, I can hear you now. But anyway, I'll play that with my other friends. How's that? <laughs> TC, I thought you, said you would I... play, I thought you said you would play any game. Um. Well, I I I have uh, partaken in multiple games of Talisman in my lifetime. <laughs> A nice I neutral tone there. Di- didn't like any of them, but that's all right. But <laughs> I, but I, uh, the last time I played, we played with the new version with like the caves and the mountains that you could explore, and I just stayed in the caves and just went to the library. Mm. I was very good at reading books. I wonder if um, they've increased in sales since it was on The Big Bang Theory. Oh yeah, that, that one episode hmm. we were playing Talisman. No, they are they're on a couple of episodes. Oh, I think. that's true. Yeah, they have played it multiple times. I forgot about that. I remember the first time that it was on there. I was like, "Hey, they're playing Talisman. No, it's awesome." But uh, they never name they never name it. But Mm-mm. I guess I don't think so. They, yeah, they, yeah. But you can tell kind of what they're playing. I don't know. Might maybe so. But Talisman is still in print. It still apparently does well enough for Fantasy Flight to keep printing and create Relic. You know. So uh, there you go. You know, it, you you guys said that that was like D and D. Sorry, um, you know, it reminded me of a game that I have that I haven't played in a couple of years. But Three Dragon Ante, which I guess is based off of D and D. That's the card game from D and D, right? Oh, it, it is. Okay, yeah, we have yeah. that. That's all. Cool <laughs> I'm not story. adding it's a guilty pleasure, but <laughs> cool story, bro. <laughs> yeah. By the way, D and D Fourth Edition sucks. <clears throat> well, have you Moving tried on. Fifth Edition yet? Yeah, have no, you tried D and D next? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's got, and they should they missed an opportunity. It should have been a larger X than everything else. So being next it's, with a big X. It's crowd. It's crowd created. Yeah, it means it's going to be so good, right? <laughs> they did, however, put out the new starter set for the for the new edition. So right. yeah, mm-hmm. you can you can get a taste. 
Yeah, you ought to give it a shot. I don't know how much you love D and D. I know it's a free it's a free PDF. Hey, I like D and D. By the way, <laughs> I didn't care for fourth edition. I I do like three point five. Four, exactly. Edition, That's why you're playing Pathfinder. Yeah, well, exactly. Fourth edition to me was just uh, it was more a board game than it was a role playing game. It was just too much emphasis on you know maneuvering and, and things like that. It just it wasn't as much getting into your roles. Um, you know, Pathfinder I think kind of uh, you know encompasses that. There's so, it's so flexible and you're able to really get into your roles much more. Um, but we you know we'll see how they do with fifth edition. You know. I didn't even play fourth. I just saw some people playing it and they all had like iPads and computer and laptops and stuff. And I was like, what? Yeah. You You need a character. It it is literally a miniature skirmish game with cards, but they don't have the, they don't include the cards. Right. Well, they do. I mean, if you buy the bread box, you get the cards, but they're nothing but, you know, cardboard. I mean, not cardboard. They're just like card stock. They're not even, you know, there's it's not real card. It's punch. It's perforated. You punch them out like those business cards you print out on your computer, on your printer. It's like the same thing. Kind of like the but I still, but I still, might I still played it anyway. What, Stephanie? I said D and D Fourth Edition might count as a guilty pleasure. Probably, <laughs> although there's so many people who play it. But yeah, probably if you really like playing it. But I, honestly, I, I played Fourth Edition and I just wasn't very crazy about it. So. Um, I think I think in general in the in the RPG world playing D and D at all would be a would be kind of a guilty pleasure at this point. Hmm. Possibly because there are so many other types of of RPGs out there that people play and enjoy. I mean, yeah, everybody with, snubs their nose at D and D. It's like the monopoly of RPGs. It kind of is the monopoly of RPGs. Yeah. Mm, I would have to very much disagree with you. Very there. much? Would you very much disagree with us? Very or would you like, like, much. 75% or 50%? <laughs> like 150%. <laughs> That's pretty extreme. Now, why, why listeners, would you that? Listeners, come on. Back me up on this. You guys know. D&D is not the monopoly of the RPG world. What no is? way. They don't have a monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> um, I okay. I will say I will agree. I think D and D is not like that. It is, but if you had to, but if you had to choose one that everyone targets as the oh, actually, I think I know what D and D. You're not an RPG or you're not a no, role I know what it would be. What? Munchkin. But that's not RPG, isn't it? Munchkin. Uh, yeah. Have you uh, never played Munchkin, Daryl? No, I've never played any. I haven't played D and haven't played Munchkin. I haven't played Pathfinder except for the card game. Well, Munchkin, one of the things is, is not Munchkin. like the other. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You don't exactly. reuse my jokes. Only I reuse my jokes. Oh, right. <laughs> Munchkin is about as far away from D and D and Pathfinder as you could possibly get. Um, Mun- in, in original theme, perhaps not, but well, the, it's theme wise, yes, you're right, but not me- mechanics wise and gameplay wise, no. It's, uh, you know, Munchkin is, it makes fun, it pokes fun. And you do put on equipment, and you do explore, but, I mean. You know, Munchkin Quest is getting a little closer, maybe, but straight up Munchkin is nothing but a card game. And it's only based around and poking fun at, at, you know, dungeon exploring games and the genre. Um, But anyway, uh, so, what? 
So now I don't know why you would do that. Poke fun at dungeon crawlers. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no, there's nothing, nothing funny about those at all. Um, Daryl, do you have anything else? I, I have one which you guys are going to knock off immediately, and then one that you guys will agree with. So the one you're going to knock off immediately, I'm going to say is pitch car. Oh yeah, get out of here. See, there you go. All right, so pitch car is awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Um, MLB Showdown. Okay, I'll give you that one. That is a throwback. Uh, Wizards of the Coast put out a baseball game, uh, a card game that used a 20-sided die, and it took about an hour and a half to play um, because you played a so whole game. It was, and it was like, like real baseball. Yeah, it was like fantasy. <laughs> it was like fantasy baseball before <laughs> fantasy baseball became fantasy, a thing. Um, so It is a thing. There is fantasy baseball, but. But, I mean, this is before fantasy baseball, um, yeah. fantasy football. And it's, you know, it was fun. I mean, you got to build your team as you want with real players. So, I mean, it's MLB licensed, obviously. And then you could go for the team that's all foil and, like, be super cool. Like, look, I got Ken Griffey Jr. hitting with Kyle Ripken and, you know, Manny Ramirez. But, you know, he still kind of sucks because he just started off and he's not on roids yet and, you know, stuff like that. And, I don't know, it was it was a fun game. You just sit around and you have a giant playmat baseball diamond. And didn't you, you play that with Sean? You could make your own teams yes. and stuff. Yes. Yeah, we played it at Origins, Sean and I. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you talking yeah. about it at that Origins, like going yeah. crazy over it. Yeah, because you can't find it anywhere anymore. I this wonder year? why. Or you played it at Origins this year? No, it was no, like two, two years ago. ago. Oh. I think, I think that game kind of like like Stephanie was saying. It, it's like a. That is definitely a simulation of watching a baseball game. <laughs> Your simulation of watching a baseball game. <laughs> You're rolling a twenty-sided, twenty-sided die to see what happens. Yeah, you, you did. Yep. <laughs> well, let's not completely bash baseball here because we do have bottom of the ninth to think about. But anyway, um, I thought I, I thought you were going to put a make Mr. Bacon's adventure. Mr. Bacon's Big Adventure. Mr. Bacon's, Mr. Bacon's Big Adventure is not a guilty pleasure. That game is badass, and I've gotten a lot of compliments for having it on my shelf. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Even you guys enjoyed playing Mr. Bacon's Big Adventure. So Well, it was at like 4 I o'clock think, in the morning at PressCon. I think so. Chris did. So, do you guys think guilty pleasures are games that do not add a plus to your gamer street cred? Like, is that what you're saying, a guilty well, pleasure? Well, I get... I, see, me having Mr. Bacon's Big Adventure... I think that's kind of a hipster point for me. Yeah. Because that game's going to be huge one day. And I'm going to yeah. be like, I have the first edition, guys. Remember? Huge. I don't know if it's going to be huge one day. Huge. You're crazy. Huge with an extra syllable. That's <laughs> It's already big in Europe. It's big in Japan, I hear. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, that was a that was a deep cut uh, <clears throat> you song reference. You got to trail. <clears throat> Okay, so I'm going to throw out just one more uh, on my list, and then we'll wrap this up because we're running. We're going to try to do this. We're going to try to cut everything down to an hour and a half tonight. Um, I'm throwing it out there. I don't know if any of you've ever played it or not, but Illuminati is one of my all-time guilty pleasures. I I have the box pictured in my head, but I don't think I've ever played it or actually seen it on the table. Um, within people who have played Illuminati, obviously it's not going to be a guilty pleasure. It's going to be an absolute pleasure. Uh, but there are some people who have played Illuminati or know of Illuminati, and they th- kind of thumb their, their nose at it. Um, but Illuminati is a blast. It's one of my... 
I wouldn't say all-time favorite games, but one of my favorite games that I like to play. It has a lot of like kind of backstabbing and, and semi-social elements to it. There, if you play it with people who are veterans, you can actually play with the cheating variant, uh, where you can cheat. Uh, but if you get caught, of course, you have there's penalties to it. Um, so is it like Skulls, the board game? Skulls. Mm-hmm. What Skulls? <laughs> the movie Skulls. <laughs> <laughs> It's basically like they're a secret cult at Yale. Right, or right. Like, yeah, you know. I remember yeah. that. It's, they had, they had a. Uh, it's very that? Illuminati. Yes. Like. Well, the skull. Yeah, yeah, the secret society. But it is all about the Illuminati. Everybody plays the different kind. Of, but it's it's very tongue in cheek. Um, it's it's influenced a lot by the Illuminati trilogy, uh, which is a very tongue in cheek book. It it pulls a lot of uh, kind of that subculture of the Illuminati. It was developed back in the eighties, the Steve Jackson games. Um, I just I just love it, and I've been trying to get people several times to play it. I bring it sometimes when we have local conventions or gaming nights where I'll have it and try to get people drummed up into playing it. And people are always like, oh, I don't know. So one of these is days, it, is it a social game? It can be. Yes, it is not a pure social. I game. will I will play it if um, we do not play it with a heavy social element. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. I mean, you don't have to. You know, it, it depends on the group. I mean, it's it's all about basically, you know, trying to draft cards that help you with your power structure, or your influence, um, and then it is 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 it can be a little slightly brutal sometimes, as far as like you know, some uh, factions are a little bit more powerful for destroying organizations than others. Uh, there's Cthulhu. Cthulhu's in the game. I mean, it's just it's awesome. It's got all kinds of stuff in it. So that's one of my guilty pleasures. Um, I, there were others on my list. I'm not going to get into them. I think I covered all the good ones right now. And um, so there we go. All of you out there listening to the podcast, uh, hopefully you guys can think of a, at least a couple of games that are guilty pleasures for you. You might and disagree. I'll shoot them down. Do what? Then I'll shoot them down. Right. And Stephanie will say that you're full of crap. That is not a guilty <laughs> pleasure. Um, so if you do have uh, comments or opinions about our list and would like to, to talk to us, you can, again, visit our, our guild on BGG. Or go to DiceHateMe.com and leave a comment on the podcast. So let's move on to Unpub News. This needs a guitar intro, too. Yeah, I probably should do the card. <laughs> like a breaking news thing. <laughs> and now for Unpub News. Do like electric guitar. Like, me, 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 me. I think I have one of those. What was that? Let me, let me, let me, I'm going to just going to, uh, I'm going to isolate that one that Stephanie just did, and that will be our yeah, electric guitar. Nice. Nice. Limousine! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Unpub news. Uh, Unpub is, uh, you know, if you don't know, we're on Kickstarter right now. We are making potato salad. No, I'm kidding. Um, we are funding Unpub 5 uh, on Kickstarter at the moment, and we are doing really well. Uh, we funded in a amazing 38 minutes, and uh, we're still climbing. Uh, it's kind of leveled off after the designer table ticket sold out, and we kind of knew that it would. And we have more reward levels coming up uh, later this week or already there, depending on when this podcast comes out. Uh, we got some, a new donation for a reward level from Eagle and Griffin Games. So that's going to be a, a whole new level that's going to go up in addition to uh, a dinner date with Richard Lanius. So it's going to be nice. And that's the Lanius plug for the episode. Uh, <laughs> Wait, that one's not on Kickstarter yet, right? Lanius is not, but he will be uh, probably by the time this goes up. 
I want that. So, um, we'll yeah. It. So there'll be a yeah longest dinner date. Um, and then we're opening up some new tables and designer tables and stuff. So we expect it to spike up. But again, you know, it's we we're hoping to go past Unpub Five with this. Uh, we'd like to put together like media kits so if people hold Unpub minis that we can send them a package in the mail that's like, here's all the forms. This is everything you need to know. This is everything you should expect. Um, and this is the stuff that you should have that we can supply you. And otherwise, here's a checklist of things that you need to make sure you have an order. Um, and, you know, we want to do stuff more, you know, physical like that. So it's like a physical handoff as opposed to, you know, oh, here's an email and here's a bunch of attachments of stuff you need. We want to make it nice and, you know, uh, easier for everyone to hold unpub minis and therefore want to hold more and more unpub minis. Um, uh, so from that to also funding unpub going to major conventions uh, like Grand Con, BGG Con, PAX, uh, Gen Con next year, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, you know, stuff like that. They have an official presence at these cons, so you know we're constantly helping. Uh, and, and that's the whole deal. It's you know, yes, we're funding on Pub Five, but it's also to kind of help build and strengthen the network to get more things done uh, and to be as helpful and as as kind of as useful of a tool as possible. All right. So, I guess also, right, to, so because some people don't like the idea of Kickstarter, so just for those people out there that are don't like the idea of Unpub doing a Kickstarter every single year, we really help to have a lot of, help to have money up front so that yep. that doesn't have to happen. Exactly. So uh, we can do a down payment for the next year with extra money. That would be awesome. And if you don't like Kickstarter, feel free to PayPal a donation or send a check to Unpub. I mean that. That'll work. I'll send you a thank yeah. you letter and handwritten in return. <laughs> yeah, the bottom line of, of about the Kickstarter campaign is, I think TC hit the nail on the head. Is that the the more support that can be drummed up for this particular Kickstarter campaign, the less uh, Unpub has to rely on uh, any future funding efforts because um, they they could put a, a down payment, reserve the space, knowing that it'll be, you know, in the same location for the next year and growing. Um, you know, there will still be fundraisers, of course, and, and things like that. But it's going to be less dependence on having this money up front if the, the, this particular Kickstarter campaign can uh, generate as much funds as possible. Right. So. And, you know, and I, I just want to stress one thing that's obvious to us but not to some people. The reason for the Kickstarter is also because Unpub is not owned by anybody. Like, no publishing company owns Unpub. Like. <laughs> I'm on the state of games plugging Unpub right now because I personally am on the state of games, and part of my contract rider with Chris was I get to plug my events with Unpub. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Dice uh, Hate Me Games does not own Unpub. They don't own a tiny bit of it. Nope. They just happen to grab all the best games. No, I just pull that. all the strings behind the scenes, but I don't. <laughs> I don't own it. No, no, it's not no, like that. Seriously, it's 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 not like that, and that's why this is here. So, please don't think you know it's a money grab. Because Chris isn't giving me money, so... <laughs> nope, not giving him a dime. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so there you go. So check it out, read it, check, watch the video, because I was up to four in the morning editing it. That's a good and, video. Uh, there you go. Yep. Fantastic video. Fantastic video. So let's move on to, uh, while we still have Daryl here, we also are gearing up for another Kickstarter that will launch August 1st. That is the Compounded Geiger expansion. I think I'm going to like a Kickstarter patch after the end of the, the summer just to wean myself off of looking at Kickstarter. 
It's uh, now that you've run a campaign, you kind of see you know behind even more behind the scenes than just being involved in the campaigns before. But it's not easy. No, no, I and I, I never thought that you exaggerated your stress levels um, or the stories that you shared. Um, but I, I, I can totally understand everything that you've said and done, and <laughs> I'm like, yep, that makes sense. So. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's you know after you do a few a month, you start to you, you learn from it, and then you start to not put as much stress on certain things. You know, when we launched the Geiger expansion, I'm gonna have a, a, a different mindset than what I had when I first started doing Kickstarter. But anyway, the, the Geiger expansion is a radioactive expansion for Compounded. We've mentioned it on the podcast before. Um, we had demos of it at Origins, and um, we're going to get together. Uh, after I get the rabbits and brew crafters out this weekend, get together and make all the plans, get everything ready. Um, now that we don't have to have a project approved on Kickstarter, whatever we can do, whatever we want. We're just gonna have we're gonna have flaming arrows, you know, going across the screen, all kinds of stuff. Be awesome. Anyway, um, the <laughs> the thing that we're trying to do with compounded in the Geiger expansion is there's there's a radioactivity meter, and we're gonna work with. Uh, Panda, who will be producing this, to get a punch board that's going to have a hole in it, and we gets a little plastic thing, and we'll have an actual dial or meter that you can move. You know, should be really neat looking. So, yeah. Um, working with Panda right now to work on that. We're also hopefully as a stretch goal going to have radioactive elements that will be glow in the dark. Not really radioactive, but well, if they if they if they're phosphorescent, they are. They are. That's true. They have a tiny bit of radioactivity to them. Um, so hopefully we will have uh, something that will be glow in the dark, so you guys can play compounded in the dark and only see the radioactive elements. Won't that be fun? I would do it. Yeah, we'll also have to do a test though for the radioactive elements, and we have not done this before. We'll have to get some samples and put them in the bags that come with compounded, and see if you can actually see them through the bag. Oh, good call. So anyway, that, that would be really bright glow in the dark stuff, though. It would. Yeah, but... yeah glow in the dark that, yeah. usually is pretty. Lackluster, yeah, and which is an appropriate term. <laughs> It'll still be cool, but yeah. they're not going to be like LED lights in a bag. No, yeah. that would be awesome if it was somehow we could actually have them emit their own light. <laughs> that would be incredible. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's that's our plans. The Geiger expansion again, August first. We will have more information about the Geiger expansion on the next podcast because we'll be getting closer to the launch date. Um. In other news, uh, just really quick, Dice Hate Me Games news, uh, Bell, Carnival, and Heartland are about to be shipped from China to uh, to us and out to the backers. We'll have an update on that as it gets closer, um, but that means that Bell of the Ball uh, will be out pretty soon. Carnival, The second editions of Carnival and Heartland, Great Heartland Holland Company will be out for purchase, hopefully, uh, if I had to guesstimate, probably September, early September. And then uh, the rabbits, of course, are being wrapped up and going to be uh, uh, sent off to the printers this weekend. Brewcrafters is in the final stage of edits, doing one last play test with Ben this weekend. Uh, he's just doing that to make sure that all the components are understandable and we don't have to clarify anything. And then that will be sent off for printing as well. So wrapping up a lot of things, getting some other things moving, and going to be moving on to our second stage of our year. Nice. Um, so when do you think, when are the rabbits and brewcrafters going to be ready? Rabbits, uh, I need to talk with Sherry at Ad Magic about that. Um, she says that once they're approved, it's a fairly fast process. I'm hoping that the rabbits will be available in a couple of months. Um, possibly the rabbits will be out uh, for the backers at the end of August, beginning of September, and then late September, 
uh, early October for rabbits being in uh, retail. That's my hope. Uh, brew crafters, it's looking like, depending on how quickly we can go through production, will probably be in will probably be October. Uh, but I'll, I'll know more about those timelines as when those are available as I start working more closely on the proofs as they get in. Uh, Panda, as a matter of fact, just sent me today digital proofs for everything uh, that we've uh, sent to them for brew crafters. So once those are approved, we can begin actual physical production of the games uh, with, uh, well, soft proofs, which will be prints that come that allow me to check colors and make sure everything is okay. And then beyond that, we'll get advanced copies and, and the games will be produced. The wood is is fixed and good to go, and that's being produced now. So so that's that's Q4 2014. Q4 2014, yes. Q4. I'll use a, that's a, we'll use the industry term. Fourth quarter of 2014 for the Brew Crafters. And uh, hopefully we'll stick to that and not pull a fantasy flight. Um, that's going to depend, of course, again, on Panda and how quickly they can output that. But we're right in the queue. We're ready to go. Nice. Um, anybody else have any other news or something they want to mention? Cool game they've played or something they're looking forward to before we wrap this up for the night? Um, I got prototypes of bottom of the ninth in from uh, Printer Studio. Mm, they look so cool. I just wish they could do square corners. That was the only nitpick I had. Oh, but, right, right, right. Yeah. Well, that's going to be interesting, actually, for for getting that printed with square corners. That's going to be a, a, a cool yet interesting request for modern modern production facilities. Yep. Why would you want square corners? Because I want the cards to actually be baseball card stock, and baseball cards have square corners. Well, what we what's, what we'll probably do uh, is is if bottom of the ninth goes out, and you want that, you could get um let's say you know cheap punch board and do them as punch board because the baseball cards remember they had some thickness to it they're like a half a millimeter yeah cardboard so you could find half millimeter punch board have them done on punch board and just have them all punched out that'd be kind of cool you should add sleeves to your kickstarter (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) that that is like it it would be wrapping the cards in a wax pack so when you open the box you also had to open the wax pack of baseball cards (laughs) <laughs> that would be pretty cool. This no stick of gum. That, that introduces no. all kinds of new problems. No, yeah. no, no. No more uh, naturally occurring anythings inside of a box. Um, uh, Jason Tagmeyer's wife, uh, uh, Carolyn, gave me a, a, a good idea, though. Of you do a pre-punched uh, punch board piece that looks like a stick of gum, but on the other side you could use as like the, the, uh, the pitch count or something like that. So it's like a little useful thing, but one side looks like a stick of gum that you just add in just for theme. That's pretty fun. Yeah. I was like, that's that would be and a just put do not eat on there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, do not eat. <laughs> uh, anybody have anything else? Everybody good? I'm trying to think if I played anything. It's been so long. I know I've played stuff, and I know I had stuff that I wanted to talk about, but I don't remember now. <laughs> so. Well, you ought to write those down for next time. As we can talk about them. I, I will mention really quickly that I finally played Trajan. Um, it was one that had been on my list for quite a while, and I finally is got it a chance. Trajan or Trajan? <laughs> the Spanish it's... version is Trajan. Okay. But, but... <laughs> Wait. So, but it's like really Trajan, Trajan or Trajan in America. Trajan in America. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm, I'm calling it? it Trajan. Uh was not my favorite failed. Let's put it that way. Um, 
I don't, I mean, it's not a bad game, obviously. A lot of people are really enjoying it. Uh, I just, I feel like there are certain games that are made that have uh, strategy, that they have multiple strategies in the game, but after you play it, you see that there are obviously a couple of strategies that you cannot ignore altogether. Oh, that's Year of the Dragon all the way. Yeah, exactly. And it yeah. has very much a Year of the Dragon aspect to that. Now, what Year of the Dragon I was able to grasp and understand because I was very, I'm very good about um, you know loss mitigation, figuring out what I need when I need it, what I don't need, and being able to let that go. So I really enjoyed my Year of the Dragon experience, but it is brutal. Uh, Trajan has that, that thing as well. as like if you... There's so many different paths you can take, but there are two um, paths in the game that if you ignore completely or do not try to be competitive in at least one of, you'll lose. And I just don't like that feel. It's like, you know, okay, we play a whole game and then you figure it out. Well, the next time you're like, well, okay, there are one of two obvious choices that I have to make in the game. And when there's an obvious choice for something, I don't know. I just... I like I, I like Year of the Dragon, but I just was like, yeah, you have to... You have to what get those scrolls or whatever. I mean, the dragon scrolls. I mean, you, you you have to get those or you will not win. Yeah, you need to pay attention. Get them early in the game. Keep them so that they're not interfering with you trying to get them in late in the game. Uh, you know, the thing about Year of the Dragon too is that there are you know limited amounts of things that you can get, and if you don't hold them till the end of the game, you know things are going to junk up your pagodas or whatever so you can't keep all your resources and if you don't manage you can't really you, well. you don't ever lose the scrolls though once you get them you no, have them no exactly but the, for the yeah. other for the other stuff is like there are some things you can get that will give you points at the end of the game but they don't really do anything and help you out so if they stick in there and you have to discard them and you spent so much time trying to get them that can become very problematic so yeah the woman like the geisha or whatever that gives you points that doesn't matter because that's only one point right it's exactly. the scrolls that are like five that matter i agree so that's yeah. kind of why I felt like it does fall into that category. I, it's not that I didn't enjoy my play, and I will play it again, but I just it just didn't have that yay feel to it to me that I get with some other felds like, like Bruges. Like Bruges, yeah, I love Bruges. Yeah. Just play next time you play, Chris. Just go all in on shipping. You'll have a really fun time playing, but then you'll you'll probably <laughs> lose, but you'll have a really fun time. Playing. <laughs> that's a good idea. I'll just do that. Um. <laughs> Played. I want to play. Yeah, I mean, I'd like. I would. It's like I said. I play again. But if if I had to play a, a Feld that's the same weight as Trajan, I feel like Bruges is close, but it'll maybe possibly a little lighter. Um, I like Bruges. I think Bruges, other than Speaker Stott, is my favorite Feld. But um, I would much rather play Macau if I was going to play a Feld that uses sort of Rondell type mechanics and things. Although Trajan is is a Macala, <laughs> but it's still going around in a circle. Um. What's the new Feld that's coming out? Aquaman? Uh, yeah, Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Aquasphere? Yes, Aquasphere. I honestly tell I I don't know that much about it other than it's going to be a Tasty Minstrel game. But mm-hmm. Do you guys, TC, do you know anything about it? You're other than it being Under the Sea and a Feld? It has a lot. Yeah, WR did like a little thing on it, but... It's an interesting, it's an interesting theme. I just... I just don't know anything about it. Like it just seems like a normal felt with an interesting theme. <laughs> right. Well, there are a lot of circles in the game. That's all I know. It's, it's all of it's right. got a bunch of circles. It looks like a weird hexagon thing. You know, um, I, but I did play also, I played Isle of Trains finally. And what did you think? Um, I really liked it, but I think you guys, everybody kept saying I need to play it. And I think the reason why is because everybody gets to like, here, I'll give you this, but it really helps me. 
here, I'll give you this. But, oh, man, it helps me so much. Right. Like, so you just constantly give each other things. And it just kind of works in this weird combo crescendo where you're just mm -hmm. loading up other people's trains to help yourself, to load your mo own stuff, to, like, yeah. It's cool. It's very fun. I mean, I feel like it, you know, it's a little bit like, well, I'm not going to give it to that person because they are winning. But, man, they really have the actions that I need, so... You know. Yeah, so I think I'll do it, but I'll only do it maybe once. You know, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it twice. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of meaningful yeah. choices. So you like have to make game. deals with the devil all the time, and that's fun. Yeah. Absolutely. It's gonna I be love a, it. Yep, it's going to be a blast, and we've worked really hard trying to make the rules even better than what they are. We're, we've this worked with Dan and, and Seth, the designers. Uh, we've gone back and forth on this this set of rules that I designed and, and tried to clarify at least like I think eight or nine times and I'm on my 10th iteration. Now we'll go over one more time. Uh, and it's, it's really cool. It's, it's going to turn out really well. I'm really proud of the art that Daniel Godero did for the game. There's a lot of meaningful choices in the game. It's one of those games that people who like meteor Euro type games are going to really enjoy. It is a lot for 54 plus two cards. Yes. 54 <laughs> plus two. That is the, that's the correct way to announce that it's not a 56 the 54 card plus two card challenge right <laughs> <laughs> i will clarify for everyone out there that when it was introduced it was 54 cards but uh since we were able to uh add a couple more cards to the game they decided to go in and expand uh, on the building types and things a little bit more so it just it adds more variety to the game yeah uh, no it's a good choice yeah all right uh anybody else is that it? are we good I think we're good. All right, we're good. Oh, uh, yeah. Stephanie, if you can think about those things for the next podcast, we'll give you uh, your, your pedestal and allow you to speak about whatever you'd like. Oh, yeah. pedestal. Wow, I never do that. I never speak my opinions. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that about wraps it up for this episode of the State of Games. We'll be back soon with more game reviews and news than you can shake a stick at. If any of you have ideas for show topics you'd like for us to, to cover, go to dice8me.com and comment on the podcast or join our guild on BGG and let us know your thoughts. You can also hit me up on Twitter at DiceHateMe. And how can our listeners find the rest of you, Schmoes? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as at GetLouder and at TheUnpub. I am I'm at PuppyShogun. Um, and I'm also the crippled werewolf on BoardGameGeek. Send me a message. <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny. It just was. That was oddly sensual. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel weird. Um, you feel dirty? Am, yeah, a little bit. I just took a shower too. I need to take another one. Um, I am on Twitter at insert straw here. It is a play on my last name. And uh, nothing more than that. I'm also at Red Pants Games. That's right. Red Pants Games. Watch out. Sweeping, sweeping the nation 2015. <laughs> Wait, did you really get a Twitter handle, Red Pants Games? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm not following that. I secured it. I haven't, yeah, I haven't followed anybody because I don't, I don't really post under it, but I, um, I, I wanted to secure it just for fun and because I would just hate it if someone else snagged it. I think it was uh, a wise decision. And now I'm following you. <laughs> so everybody Aww. out there, out there, go follow Red Pants Games for, <laughs> for when she starts to really uh, uh, snag a whole bunch of people at Unpub 5. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, uh, this is Dice Hate Me. 
This is getting louder. This is Puppy Shogun. This is Insert Straw here. Saying thanks for listening. And may all your your rolls be sixes. Perfect. It sounded close on that one. Don't